You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys, and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. Welcome back for another week on the Geek's Watch. Hey, we're here. We're still talking about The Great on Hulu, Season 1, Episode 4, Moscow Mule. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah we're gonna get into more about that and uh you know first we got to get into what is our what we've been watching this week so elizabeth what's on your week's watch so i watched three movies as part of uh your canceled summer vacation marathon this is correct last weekend um i had seen none of the three movies that were shown which were uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. Correct. Uh, great at the Great Outdoors and Summer Rental. Correct. Yeah. So, um, my favorite of the three was definitely Great at the Great Outdoors. Okay. Uh, I I always have a problem with National Lampoon's because I've seen Christmas Vacation. I just had never seen Vacation. Um, and I I always have the problem with Chevy. Chase's character, Correct. the father, Clark Griswold. Clark Griswold, yeah. Um, it's, it's very much. I don't know if this was eighties or nineties, but it's very much of that time period it's an thing. Eighties movie, where yeah. almost seventies. He could be, you know, he's a great family man, except for the fact that he continually tries to have affairs. <laughs> but like, he's still a great family man, and we're just we have to accept that because he's a flawed hero. Yeah, I, I just. <laughs> I have a problem with that. I, it's, there's something in me that has a problem with that, and I get secondhand embarrassment very easily. And so, all three of these movies definitely play into that very hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was definitely difficult for me to watch. I think I think I liked The Great Outdoors the best, just because it um that wasn't its focus on the the embarrassment like there were fun there was a lot of funny stuff that had nothing to do with them being embarrassing like the whole bat situation like yes i was screaming at them like it's not really that hard it's a bat bat's not gonna kill you it's not gonna suck your blood you're fine but it was funny just because it was ridiculous as opposed to they were doing something incredibly embarrassing and it was supposed to be embarrassing for them. So, overall, I think they were good movies. <laughs> so, what uh, I got from all that is that we need to watch uh, European Vacation and Vegas Vacation now. So, uh-huh. you see all four. 
think I'm good. <laughs> I really think I'm good. I think Christmas Vacation is my you favorite. Know, you one. should watch Vegas Vacation only for the shout out to Yuma, Arizona that they That's have. There's, there's a big <laughs> shout out to Yuma, Arizona in the, in the movie. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, Christmas Vacation is probably my favorite out of all those. I, I watch that every year. I make sure to watch that for Christmas. And I sit through it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, summer Summer Rental, just one of my favorite movies of all time. Just like, I I don't know, I feel for that guy. <laughs> I feel for John Candy's character in that one. So, uh, yeah, I... Uh, you always hear about the the pressures in the movie. He, the John Candy's character is a uh, air traffic controller. Oh, you yeah. hear about those pressures, and I would think I always think, yeah, I not be, having to help steer a plane when you can't actually see the plane. <laughs> it's got to be difficult. Yeah. Well, there's a another movie I don't know if you've seen called Pushing Ten that really mm-hmm. goes. That's a pretty good movie that shows actually how difficult and. <laughs> And I, it has outside issues too, but yeah. But yeah, John Cusack and Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. So. yeah. Uh, okay, so of the three uh, canceled summer vacation movies, you like The Great Outdoors more. Yeah. Where they went to the, the Great White North as a summer summer vacation. All right. Sounds good. I think we could do that. <laughs> Just have to watch out for the raccoons and bald bear. There we go. There we go. John, what did you watch this week? Well, in keeping with my uh, movie bucket list, because I honestly don't know how much longer we have on this planet, um, I started to take things off my list that I've been wanting to watch. Uh, a recent movie uh, with Willem Dafoe and uh, new Batman. Robert Pattinson. Oh, you watched The Lighthouse? The Lighthouse, yes. <laughs> it's, on, Just, uh, it's like on Amazon Prime or Stars or something for free. Yeah. So at least I didn't have to pay for it. Um, <laughs> okay, so it sounds like you have the same thought process Mitch does on that movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I want to say I liked it. It was an interestingly shot movie, and Willem Dafoe does a hell of a performance. And Robert Pattinson is in it. (laughs) Um, I have to kind of say I agree a bit more with Mitch's trepidation about Robert Pattinson being cast as the new Batman now. Because I thought this was going to be a good showcase of his acting ability. And it really just feels like he's there standing across Willem Dafoe playing an insane character. (laughs) You can really see just like someone doing acting pirouettes around someone that's basically just standing still. Um, yeah, yeah. That's a, the other than that. Uh, it's a movie that, although I felt was really, really interesting, I don't know anyone that could recommend it to. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like the killing of a sacred deer, or uh, what's the that other one, the lobster. Like it, it's the it's that type of movie where it's all just out there. And, and yeah. The closest approximation to this movie would be like Eraserhead by David Lynch. Yeah. And if that alone doesn't like immediately turn your stomach, then, you know, you might want to give it a try. But I just enjoyed the cinematography. I mean, that's one of the things I big geek for. Uh, there's some really interesting shots. So much so that I even looked up the who did the cinematography and what tricks they used, which I learned a few things about how they shot this in black and white. 
to make the film have that specific grainy look to it. And I was like, oh, that's mm -hmm. interesting. I'll probably never need that in my life unless I have a midlife crisis and decide to start learning how to do cinema. But um, yeah, other than that, it was just an interesting experience with some surreal elements. And um, yeah, I, I liked it, but it's just going to be one of those probably like... I'll never admit it to anyone else in public ever again. Because, <laughs> um, and besides that, uh, I also kind of wanted to just throw a quick mention to uh, Star Wars Squadrons. They released a gameplay trailer for it, and it's been all over my Twitter with uh, other Geek Elite members. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the last time I felt this excited about a video game. Uh, here I am on the cusp of 40. And I want to say maybe 10 years ago, 11 years ago, when either Halo 4 or Far Cry Blood Dragon came out, I was like, oh, that looks interesting. And that was pretty much it. <laughs> so now I feel like I'm a teenager again. I'm like, oh my god, that looks awesome. And yes. uh, I might have to break my cycle of no longer buying video game systems just so I have something to play this on, unless it's on mobile, because that's probably going to be the only realistic way. <laughs> but there is going to be cross-platform play on it, apparently, so mm -hmm. uh, it's very possible that uh, in the near future we might have a Geek Elite Fighter Squadron. Yes. <laughs> I, I am a little sad that there is no B-Wing on it as of now. They don't have the B-Wing. I'm sure that might be released later on. As I know. Because the B-Wing is kind of OP. I mean, that thing can do everything. Yeah, it's just so cool. But they do have uh, the White Wings, which I know that uh, I believe uh, Wizard, what, Wizard was the one that wanted or something. Yeah. Chris GT. It also, I looked at the hangar, and it has the X-Wing, A-Wing, Y-Wing, and the U-Wing. So. Which the U-Wing is the only one, I believe, which is not canonically in any of the movies. I think it was Expanded Universe only. But, is it not in one of the animated series? Because it was apparently part of canon. Uh, it might have been in the, uh, the, the, the yeah. animated one that came out more recently that was after Rebels. But um, Yeah, I haven't watched that one yet, so yeah, not for sure. And if it is, it's it's a support vehicle, so it's kind of sort of like the healer of the group from what I was understanding. Yeah. So it's like the medic in Team Fortress. It's meant to repair yeah. ships, but can also have some defensive abilities. Mm -hmm. um, I'm calling this on the A-wing. That's all I'm saying right now. Oh, darn, because that's like, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll do the X-wing then. I, I mean, mean, I like the have but... two A-wings. Like, it's like the, 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 you know, the two sides of the basketball squad. What are, I don't even know what those are called. I know there's defenders and there's a point guard. What's the the other two? The other two of the five. There's the. Uh, I played basketball and I don't remember. Yeah, I, I did too, and I don't remember. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. a sports guy. I have no idea. I know <laughs> sports Bryant and LeBron. That's all I know. Fair. Uh, I don't know if you're going to be able to have an entire squad of like the same type of ship or if it's going to have to be like you're forced to be balanced out and you have to have one of each. I'm pretty sure you're going to have the ability to have like all X-Wings if you wanted to. Yeah, because the squad itself is up to five people, if I remember correctly, and they only have four ships. So somebody, oh, yeah. like, there's at least two of the same ship. So 
Which is why I also think at some point we're going to have like a hero class ship for each one. Like we'll have a TIE advanced on the uh, Empire side and probably a B-Wing on the uh, Alliance. Yeah. But, um, ties are, I don't yeah. like flying ties. <laughs> Tell you what though, you can be Red 5 if I can have the A-Wing. Okay. <laughs> and that was my week watch for today. I feel like the podcast has been hijacked by Star Wars. It happens. That's, that's what happens. <laughs> oh, there's going to be more Star Wars than mine, Geeks Watch, too. So. <laughs> There'll be a, a Twitch dedicated to just a Squadron, I'm sure. Okay, so make sure you check out the trailer on YouTube uh, or go to our Facebook page. We put the trailer up, too. Um, oh, and it has full VR support. I forgot to mention that. It will have full VR support. Uh, what was it? The Lighthouse is on Amazon Prime. Uh, the movies that uh, Elizabeth mentioned were part of my own library, but I'm sure you can find it uh, streaming on your local library if you wanted to go look there. Uh, Jessica, what did you watch this week? So I'm kind of sad Steven's not part of our podcast today because I finally finished the last Steven Universe series which is steven oh, no. universe future he's gonna be so upset <laughs> he will be i know well I, I at least texted him about it so he knows i finished it but like <laughs> that just, it was steven universe is a very emotional show it's like kind of sort of one of the themes is like dealing with your emotions and facing like things like guilt and hard situations and overcoming them and all throughout the series Steven's basically the like happy-go-lucky, the one helping people through their emotions. And now after saving the world, now he's the one who needs help and is having issues because he sees all of his friends are now kind of sort of balanced and he doesn't know who he is anymore. And But he doesn't know how to ask for help because he never has needed help. And so it kind of sort of the main thing about it is that how people ignore their problems and pretend that everything is okay. Um, that's like the main issue with Steven Universe Future and Steven getting over that hump kind of thing. And it was devastatingly accurate for like a kid's show over how you go through those emotions. I actually had to stop like probably three quarters of the way through because that's one of my bad coping me- mechanisms is the same exact thing. So I was like... <laughs> really facing my own issues while watching it too. But all in all, it was really good, really amazing. I wish I had a little bit more from the ending because it kind of sort of like he, they finally help him and finally get him to the capability of recognizing that he needs help. And then the next episode is like six months later and he's pretty much all great and back to being his normal Steven Universe self. But I just kind of wanted one more episode in between to show the gradualness of that, that like he started going to therapy and stuff like that. But all in all, it was a really great show. Um, I don't think it's available for free streaming anywhere. I ended up buying it on Amazon prime to watch. Cause I quite enjoyed the Steven universe show when I thought it was worth buying a season of it. And yeah, it was pretty good. Now, have you gone and done any of the supplemental watchings? Like I, I believe Rebecca sugar, the, creator of the show has gone and done a lot of interviews about the ending of it no i haven't done i typically don't do that because sometimes that can ruin it for me or change my opinion on it so okay 
but maybe maybe I will. I'll definitely be looking for more of her stuff that she has done outside of Steven Universe. So like I think Adventure Time and I can't remember what else she's done too. But um, yeah, she, she she's a writer on Adventure Time or was. Um, yeah. But this is the only show that she created so far. Yeah. So it made a difference in your viewing by binging it versus like when it it didn't initially come out like once a week week. yeah like Um, it made a a difference was it more impactful less impactful thought it was probably more impactful like like i said i had to take a break from it like and it was a couple weeks of a break from it because it was just so much constant like oh god like facing my own issues kind of thing so it's like i need to slow down a little bit so yeah definitely binging it was a bit hard, but I think that also depends on what your personal coping mechanism is, whether or not you really relate to Steven or not. If it's like, it's kind of, it was almost like facing my demons kind of thing. So from a kid's show, which is pretty yeah. impressive. <laughs> Outside but. of uh, the main character, Steven, would you have a favorite side character? Oh, that's hard. Uh, probably Garnet. She's one of the crystal gems and she is, I don't know how to explain it, but she's basically two gems that have fallen in love and together they fuse into Garnet. So she's, I don't, you have to watch Steven Universe to understand it, but she's just an awesome character. Um, And definitely one of my favorite things about Steven Universe is all the music and it has really great musical numbers throughout it that are adorable yet also serious. And it's just a good all around kid show. Very cool. And my other watch is Steven convinced me. Well, Steven told me that PS4 was having a sale on Star Wars Battlefront 2 that came out a few years ago with a lot of controversy. But um, what was the controversy? Um, the company decided to release things like you could pay to get characters, which made it easier to win, basically. So. Uh-oh. It was just everybody just didn't like it. Um, I didn't have any of that problem, mainly because I probably waited like three years to actually buy it and play it. Um, but the campaign of it was amazing. So I've already finished it, unfortunately, but I'll probably <laughs> play it again. But it takes place right at the end of episode six. So you play, you actually play an Imperial. She's okay. an Imperial commander, and she's on Endor when the um, the Death Star, the second Death Star, blows up. Oh, this and is the one that's Janina Gravara or something like that, right? Gravar is the main uh, character. I don't know if that's the actress that voices her. But yeah, they, the voices yeah okay. Yeah, the <laughs> character is Aiden Versio, Versero, or something like that, but... Yeah, and it shows her process of sort of realizing that the Empire isn't that great because right after the Empire falls, which isn't explained in the movies, is they do Operation Cinder, which is basically they just start ransacking a bunch of planets, including their own planets, to sort of instill fear. And so she has an issue when she's told to attack the planet that she grew up on. And she fights it because she's like, they're imperial. Like, they support the Empire. Why are we attacking our own people kind of thing? And that turns her, and she eventually does end up joining the Rebellion. And so it's the story of after how the Empire tried to come back. And eventually there's another 
it was a free DLC, I think, that came out later that it like is right before. Actually, no, it takes place during um, episode seven, and you get her point of view of what's going on. Okay, so it does it add more to the Star Wars story because they've, I believe, Disney's also decreed that the the video games are are part of canon now, the ones that they've made, right? Yeah. Um, so it does in the fact that you you get to see exactly how the Empire sort of turned into the First Order, even after they fell pretty hard. Um, because I, th- I think it's kind of a good thing, because when you take down an entire Empire, it doesn't just go away. And it kind of shows that. Um, so you you do get a few of the the fill in between six and seven over how things got to the point that the first order was able to create another planet destroyer, even though the empire had been defeated. So, um, and I think that's pretty important to the Star Wars story. Um, the big thing was people thought at the time that Aiden was Rey's mother because she ends up on Jakku. That's one of the last missions. But then wow. the free yeah, the free DLC that came out, which I'm pretty sure came out after episode seven, confirmed that she wasn't Ray's mother. So that was another interesting thing about it. But yeah, it was just good fun play. Um the original Battlefront 2, which was on PlayStation 2, was probably one of my favorite Star Wars games in general. So <clears throat> there's still some things I like more about that one than I do about this one, but Story-wise, this one was significantly better. What was the the name of the the Star Wars video game that was like uh, the fighter one, like the Street Fighter one? Oh, that was Masters of Terror's Kasi. Oh, I thought it had something had some like a title like Battle also. Oh, there was Jedi Battles that came out later, but the first fighting <laughs> game, which was kind of in the style of Tekken more because it was three D, mm-hmm. but for the PlayStation One was Masters of Terror's Kasi. Uh, that was before the prequels came out. After the prequels, there was Jedi power battles. Jet, okay, maybe that's that's. I think I get those that confused yeah. with Battlefront then all the time. Oh, totally different. <laughs> yeah, different yeah. types of games altogether. Mm-hmm. Well, this new Battlefront is technically a reboot of the old Battlefront. They also yeah. came out in the uh, mid two thousands because there was a Battlefront. I think they went up to three. In I think the only PlayStation two era. Yeah. No, I think it might have only been two, actually. Oh, those two? Yeah, so they restarted that franchise, technically, with the this current mm-hmm. gen. Yeah, kept the same name and everything. Now, part of that controversy with uh, this new Battlefront from a couple years ago now, mm-hmm. Steven and I have joked about this before, but yeah, there was a, a lot of talk about how the game was basically pay to win. If you wanted like the hero characters, you could yeah. pay like, 40 bucks or whatever it was. Or you can grind like 12,000 hours. Mm-hmm. There was some crazy amount like that. So somebody asked the like the person in charge of this whole process. It's like, hey, so what's the incentive to keep playing then if like it takes so long and you can just pay to win essentially? And the marketing guy basically said, well, you know, players who work for it will get a sense of pride and satisfaction or something like that. But you have to work harder because because that was with multiplayer play though, right? That you could yeah. pay. Yeah. yeah. yeah See, I'm I don't play multiplayer, so that wouldn't affect me at all. Like I hardly ever play multiplayer. I just do the campaigns usually. 
Yeah, so. I mean, but that was a big push for that. And I think there was also an issue with loot boxes, too. It's one of the games that really started this real closer investigation as to whether loot boxes were considered gambling or not. Oh, right. So. It's a fun game. Definitely <laughs> <laughs> good looking. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was really good looking. And the space battles were actually really fun. Because sometimes you have issues because it'll go from space battle to like a planetary battle. And in a Battlefront 2, it'd be like so entirely different. Like one was better than the other. But this one was like, no, they're both their own thing and both very good. So. Very cool. It's All right. Uh, I guess for my uh, week's watch, I watched a couple mu- movies. The first movie. Um, something that John would probably enjoy. I don't know if he's seen it yet or not, but it's a documentary. Um, it's called In the Search of the Last Action Heroes. It's all about 80s action movies and 90s, like beginning of 90s. Essentially, it talks about how uh, before the 80s, there was no such thing as the big action movie. Like you had dramas, you had westerns, you had like all these other genres, but the action movie became a thing in the 80s. And then we saw the rise of Sylvester Stallone. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and um, Kurt Russell, you know, in those doing those kinds of things, and uh, and then in the '90s, the late '90s, they like studios figured out we don't need to have uh, action stars, so to speak, anymore. They can just take regular stars or people that sell movies, and then uh, get them stunt doubles or at least train them well enough so that you can get some good shots, and then. So then essentially the um, the Matrix changes up the game. Like you get Keanu Reeves to come in to be Neo and then you switch out for the stunt double when they do far enough wanting to look cool stunt scenes or fight scenes. Um, Which is, isn't that kind of sort of a regression to the old Westerns idea? Because you would yeah. have the pretty star and then you'd have the stunt double doing all the dangerous. Stuff. Exactly. So, I, I mean, for some reason, they forgot they could do that <laughs> in the 80s. Uh, but maybe it was because you just you needed to have the giant Arnold Schwarzenegger to be in three fourths of the screen to punch a dude and have his great one liners. Going through this documentary, I did come to realize that, you know, no one did the one liner like Arnold Schwarzenegger did, really. Like you could watch all these <laughs> other movies and they try and copy it, but it just doesn't quite work unless you're Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Well, that was by necessity, though, because, I mean, he could only spit out one line coherently. <laughs> this is also true. This is true. Like, I mean, even by the time you get to, what, Running Man, he doesn't have a bunch of dialogue. At that point, he's already been in Conan and uh, Hercules and, um, I don't know, something else. but Or Terminator. But he, he only does so many lines in... I mean, yeah. I mean, think about it. he plays a barbarian with limited speech. He plays yeah. a robot with limited speech. He plays a you know was it a Greek Man? god that someone else spoke for him? Oh yeah, so he was even dubbed in his first movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so had had you seen that yet, John? I you know I've it's on one of those things on my watch list. There's another one too, uh, similar to that. I think it's by the same company. That's all about '80s horror movies too. Oh, um, nice. And I think there's also one about sci-fi. It's, it's, uh, yeah. There's, there's like a series of those right now that I'm really like excited for, but I have not seen it yet. So you reminding me is making me put it on my list. <laughs> you were probably about the longest documentary that I'd ever watched, or at least documentary about 
uh, movie making because it was two hours and 20 minutes and it's directed by Oliver Harper. Never heard of him before. It doesn't look like he's, he's done much other than this, but well, yeah, yeah, he has a YouTube channel actually. Um, oh really? That's interesting. Yeah. He's one of those people that I watch on a regular basis as a matter of fact. Well, there um, you go. He does uh retro, I think retrospective reviews or something like that is what it's called. Um, his channel. Uh, let's see here. It also gets in the documentary itself gets into a lot about the women of the action movie. And uh, Cynthia Rothrock is, is a big part of the do- documentary who like, I mean, people might not remember her name, but she's, you'd recon- recognize her face from a lot of the, uh, her martial arts movies from the eighties and early nineties. And she's pretty much the model for Sonya blade. If I understand that correctly, who was uh, it? Cynthia Rothrock. Oh, she's China O'Brien. She was China O'Brien, very racist stereotype name. Uh, she does martial arts, so she's China O'Brien. <laughs> Not an ounce of Chinese in her. Nope. Uh, but yes, that was she. She's very like her part of the documentary is very interesting. Then they talk about how uh, Ripley in the Alien series was never supposed to be a woman. It, but then again, they cast a woman and never changed the dialogue. It. It's completely still the same dialogue as if, as if it was a, a role played by a man. Yeah, because a women story. are people too. <laughs> they are. It's Surprise. amazing when it happens. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I guess that I don't know if that changes when you get to aliens, though, when it's all about her protecting that child. It probably did change. They probably started writing per the character. For Sigourney Weaver herself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's still Alien is the is the movie that they talked about. So, hey, but uh, in Aliens, she proves that she can do anything a man can do when she gets in that power loader. Oh yeah. I mean, it's still it's still very like femme forward, but at the same time, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they would have written it differently if they had casted a man. I'm sure Aliens would have looked a little bit different, but you know what? Yeah. They should remake Alien and then just inverse all the genders, so you have a, a male Ripley and a whole crew that's nothing but girls, except for Vasquez, right? Mm-hmm. Oh no, oh, that's about the original that's Aliens, huh? Yeah, that's Aliens. Yeah. Okay. Actually, yeah. that would work too. Have one Hispanic dude and then a bunch of. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, so that YouTube channel is the name of the guy Oliver Harper, and he has a series within that channel called Oliver Harper. Oliver happens uh, retrospectives and reviews. So yeah, he goes through a lot of 80s stuff. I've seen a lot of his work. So yeah, this is up my alley for sure. Cool. Yeah, definitely check that. It's on Amazon, so you can stream it if you have Amazon Prime. Uh, I also watched The Way Back. So it was interesting that you brought up Janina Gavankar. I think is how you, Gavankar is how you say her name because she was also in this movie. She plays the ex-wife of Ben Affleck's character in the movie. It's uh, all about Ben Affleck, who was a high school basketball superstar, uh, then tragedy happens and he, oh, he ends up getting his girlfriend pregnant. They, you know, they, they don't, they get married. Their son ends up uh, having cancer. He passes away. They can't stay married through the stress of that. He drinks a lot, like to the point where he's blackout drunk every night. Eventually, the priest at his old, catholic high school says hey you were a great basketball player we need a new coach come be the coach and he starts to you know sober up because he wants to be there for the kids on the team 
and things don't work out well for him still. Um, it's, it's not like you think the movie's going to be like kind of a coach Carter. Remember the Titans kind of thing, but this is, it really doesn't focus a lot on the basketball play. It doesn't re- focus a lot on the game. It's, it's all, all about his character and how he needs to pull himself out of his, his, uh, downward spiral. Um, for his health and just for his well-being. Um, it's a good movie. It's directed by Gavin O'Connor, which is one of my favorite directors. He made Warrior. So that was, yeah, yeah Warrior with uh, Joel Edgerton and Tom Hardy. But um, I would say that it was missing something. And I don't know if it's because of we, uh, how much we know about Ben Affleck's personal life, especially at the time of filming of this movie but it just kept reminding me of his personal life and how he's not, you know, doing well. And he, he struggles with alcoholism himself and cheated on his wife, Jennifer Gardner and, you know, just all that kind of stuff. So I, I, I don't know what the movie is a little too real. Isn't it? Maybe that, that's what it was. If it would have been another actor, I probably could, I could have immersed myself more, but I just, so this is just Ben Affleck, the movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. So, that Jovina Gavankar, uh, for context, because that name sounds familiar, that was the Shiva from the League, isn't it? That is correct. She's the Shiva. Okay. <laughs> she was also I, a shapeshifter on True Blood, I believe. I met her at, I think, WonderCon. What? Was either, no, it was either WonderCon or uh, D23. It might have been D23 when they announced Battlefront 2, the, the game that you're talking about. Is it Battlefront 2 or Battlefront? Jessica. Jessica. Huh? What? Oh, like Battlefront Two. <laughs> Battle no, I just got distracted that you've been to a D twenty three. So I was like, we would. Go to a D twenty three. It was one of the worst cons that I ever been to, but it, I went to it. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it surprised for, for me those, too. For those listening, Jessica's look of disgust could murder somebody. Well, it's it's that it's that it's Disney and you expect a certain type of professionalism and organization from Disney. Like they the convention was held across the street from the Disneyland where they run everything with a fine, you know, like a Swiss clock, so to speak. And this was just a mess. Like it was it was bad how they ran this thing. But either way, I, mean, I they met her- had a lot of them, but like whatever. <laughs> hey well next time you can send jess as the correspondent to d23 instead <laughs> to do that she will have a much better time uh, will not notice you go <laughs> all the bad things i'll just be uh, like oh disney oh disney however i did i also did get to like stand right next to chadwick boseman at that one i think I think it was that one. Is either that or WonderCon? Because they have them in the exact same place. They have them in the Anaheim Convention Center. So They're I probably the D twenty three con. It it might have been D twenty three, but that was, so that was kind of cool. But I really hope that every time somebody meets him, they bow to him, and he has to tell them, "We don't do that here." <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me get it straight. I didn't get to actually beat him. I just stood next to him. <laughs> uh, but yes, the uh, no, I, I followed him with with video, so I was stalkerish. <laughs> uh, you gotta put those skills to use again. Yeah, right. Um, so there you go. Uh, the way back is also on Amazon Prime. Uh, give it a watch if you're into that. Last movie I wanted to talk about was Just Mercy, which is the Michael B. Jordan movie 
and Jamie Jamie Fox and Brie Larson are also starring in the movie. Uh, based on a true story about uh, a man who uh, was on the was was going to be on the death row for the murder of someone. Can't remember what it was, but basically it was it was racism gone rampant, and right now it's free um, for everybody to watch uh, to help spread the word of Black Lives Matter. Uh, it was I watched it originally on on uh, Amazon Prime, and I is it's a really good movie. It Michael B. Jordan does impeccable once again, and Jamie Jamie Fox. I don't know why I say Jamie Lee Fox. Uh, Jamie Fox, yeah, Jamie Fox, you know, just it's it's incredible. Like, he's a good you actor. see why it is that he's a he's a Oscar nominated actor, like, repeatedly. Yeah, did you find something about the movie or did you look up at the case? Well, I pulled the case just to make sure that I had it right. Um, it's he's was sentenced to death row. For the murder of an 18-year-old girl. Um, however, there's sufficient evidence, significant evidence, particularly on appeals, that he was wrongly, wrongfully convicted. Mm-hmm. But kind of over and over again, it gets dismissed for, well, we can't prove that that's what the jury convicted on. Right. We can't prove that that piece of evidence was what the jury convicted on. Oh, I also forgot that it has um, spyglass in it. The guy from Watchmen that was wearing that wears the the metal or the reflective mask. I forget what the actor's name is. Uh, mirror guy. Oh, mirror guy. Yeah, mirror guy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's he's in it, and you know he's he's often a, a good actor in a lot of things he does too. Looking glass is what you're looking for. Looking glass, not spy glass. <laughs> spy glass, the production studio. Or <laughs> Uh, did anybody else get a chance to to watch uh, Just Mercy? Not yet. Not yet. No, it's on my list. So. Yes, definitely yeah. give it a watch. It's it's a it's a very good movie. Um, that sounds like a movie that would cast the guy from Buster Scruggs. He just has that look. Yeah, that is him. That same guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's in, he's in that. Um, also, it is directed by Destin Daniel Cretton, who will be directing. The Shang-Chi movie for Marvel MCU, which I know everybody's looking forward to. Who? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, Shang-Chi. They're they're getting they're getting into the the nitty gritty on on Marvel now. So, hey, if it means that eventually we'll get Dark Hawk, I'm all for it. I mean, I could see Dark Hawk <laughs> showing up in Guardians of the Galaxy three. So you might you might get he might not he's probably not gonna get his own movie. But he'll show up somewhere. As long as we get a look at a MCU version of the costume, uh, that'll be like cosplay goals. Hmm. I mean, more than likely it will be all CG, just like Iron Man suit and not in-game. So I don't know if you'll be able yeah. to make that in real life. There's, there's talented people out there. It might not be me. It won't be me. People out there that can reverse engineer that with real materials and 3D printing. Okay, there's our week's watch. Let's get into The Great on Hulu, episode four, Moscow Mule. And it's called that because we come to learn that Catherine the Great's lover created the Moscow Mule like (laughs) 
centuries before it was created. Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Um, Only sometimes based on true history. Literally what it says in the title sequence. Occasionally based on history. Because ginger beer was a thing then. (laughs) It should have been. Yeah. I mean, it it always should be. But um, so I guess I want to start with everybody's first impressions of this episode. Um, So... Jessica, how are you feeling after watching this episode? I'm feeling good. I liked it. I like the build up. We're setting things up. The coup is going to happen. I mean, it better happen because that's what really happened. But like, <laughs> I don't know. It's based on occasional truth. So the coup might not happen at this rate. <laughs> the coup might fail. <laughs> Do a revisionist history on us. Yeah. And, uh, that way you get a second on. season. john what were your first impressions um i was kind of happy that they referenced the only thing i knew about catherine the great in this episode that would be the only thing you knew about catherine the great it's not true (laughs) i know but that was like the thing as soon as they said oh there's a rumor starting and i was like to my mom next to me i was like mom it's the horse it's the horse (laughs) like what and i was like the horse (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I also kind of assumed that the Moscow Mule was also a double entendre to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, that and her riding the mule to it, yeah. court. And... It helps set that up. It works on many levels. <laughs> um, it's such clever writing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like it's, it's entertaining and I'm learning. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. I think it's probably been the funniest and the darkest at the same time. While also not being the most uncomfortable to sit through for, you know, different things. So, uh, yeah, really good. I like where it's going. Mitch? Uh, I mean, I'd have to disagree. I think that this was definitely one of the most uncomfortable ones for me to sit through. Uh, I abhor this mean girl bullshit. Like, I hate it so much. Um it's it focuses so much on this episode about that when I feel there are bigger issues that need to get done. And, you know, the whole her uh, I know you just said initial thoughts. So but go for it. the 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 I'm not going to slap Mariel thing the whole, over and over because it's just not right. It's not it's it's the virtue that I want to keep. And by the end, she slaps Mariel. Like, I get it. That's the only way that was going to be out. Well, I say there was another way, but it was the only way that was going to be out. And she had to do it. And Mariel was okay with it. But I feel like she loses a bit of herself if she goes back on the one conviction that she wanted to have in that situation. She plays the game. She plays the game. You have to. Well, okay. I get your point, and I get it's horrible. But this is really like the making of a good ruler. Rulers aren't nice. You okay, beat the fuck out of Svenska. That's what she should have done. Right there in the middle of, after that tea dance, she should have just laid her out, and then all the other women would fear her, and that would be enough because that's what the aunt said: make them fear you. Or you. Same thing. I think it would affect you and make them feel like you're responsible for them. Okay, she was still going to make be responsible for them, but the whole. <laughs> Slapping Muriel when it's the thing that she didn't want to do, whereas yeah. hitting Sveska would have been just fine in my no. mind. 
What do you mean? No, it would not have worked if she hit Svetska. It would have worked. because They know she has a good relationship with Muriel. They know she likes Muriel. That's one of the reasons why they don't like her because she likes the servant. And if she can show that she can slap someone she likes, then she doesn't give a shit. No, no. That's how you put fear in people. Take down the biggest, ugliest person in the in the yard. Then I'm the biggest, ugliest person in the yard. That not works. It It works. But then you're just—it's that you're not a girl. Have full power. And you shouldn't play it as you're just a girl. She's the queen. She is the empress. Except she does not have the authority to strip Svenska. Yeah. What do you think about stripping her? If if she's going to beat her. If she's going to lay her out to take full control, she has to strip her entirely of her title, her wealth, her land, her entire authority. Because if you leave even an ounce of her power, it will come back to rear its ugly head. You, you, it's it's a it's a decimation system. If you if you are going to rule by fear, you cannot leave a son alive to regain his father's wealth. You either kill the entire family off or you don't bother. I don't like the way that this show goes. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Real life ain't pretty. <laughs> life ain't pretty? Okay. Yeah, that's more my so, I guess here's... So, I thought this was a bit of a filler episode. So, that was kind of my first initial impression. It sounds like everybody was okay with how it filled the space, even if we don't like the way the story is going. It filled in as expected. Mm -hmm. But being about halfway through the season, I'm curious, and I'm sad Steven's not here because it was going to be a particular question for him. We watched, and I, the name of it is escaping me, so somebody's going to have to fill it in for me. Uh, last fall, we watched the Orlando Bloom Amazon Carnival series, Carnival Row. Carnival Row. In that, we discussed the fact that Carnival Row, because of its writing style, was probably best done with a binge. You yes. could binge watch it because you could then gloss over some of the really terrible writing because the overall storyline was good. How do we feel about The Great? Is this one that is also better binged? you think, or the way we're doing it week by week? I would say for anybody else other than me, yes, you would want to binge this show. I couldn't sit through it. Fair enough. I'm, I'm actually with Mitch. I'd want I'd need to take this in small doses. Kind of like how I had to take a break from Steven Universe. Like, it's just... okay. So it's just, it's too heavy. It, it's too heavy to constantly watch. But then again, maybe if I was constantly watching it, I wouldn't pay attention to exactly how dark it is. I'm not for sure. You might get desensitized to it. Yeah. I mean, I'm already fairly desensitized to things, but yeah. I was like, I laughed out loud when the guy set himself on fire, so I think (laughs) I'm... uh, John's already desensitized. We're good. (laughs) I didn't laugh, but I was like... I, yeah, I didn't laugh. I was just more like, yeah, that's about right. That that's that's exactly what that character would do. Like, plus it was also the reactions of the people too. It's like something like this happens, and he just looks incredulous, and it's like, well, that just happened. <laughs> what, what did what did Peter say? He was just like, well, Jesus. <laughs> well, that was it. I also think that's the funniest thing is because like, if the dude had just said those things, Peter obviously would have just had him killed. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
I, I, I wonder if he's just more upset that he took that away from him. Probably. Than what he actually said. Yeah. So, but like, yeah. It's even a really ugly idea that maybe not everybody likes it. <laughs> maybe. Even Orlo had a fairly eh reaction to it. Orlo was just more like, well, at least that's one out of the. Yeah. It's <laughs> <so> cool. <laughs> um, so, I, I, we keep getting bits and pieces of Peter's childhood, but particularly his relationship with his mother. And we got a couple pieces in there, but the one Mm. I want to talk about is the concept of her seeking out the head of the church to ask if her son has a soul. (laughs) That was great. That was so good. (laughs) And the fact that it gets buttressed with Archie high on mushrooms, then saying he has a soul of the king. So... Do we, f- I, I'm curious as to everybody's impressions or thoughts of how Catherine is or is not growing to be Peter's mother in a different form. Because he makes the mention a few episodes ago that she looks at him the way his mother used to look at him, as if he were evil. So I'm just kind of curious, are we kind of getting some more of the historical background of what Catherine the Great becomes towards the end of her life by Peter's reflections on his mother as told in this story. Anybody got any thoughts on that? Or am I just on my own in this little (laughs) world? No, there's definitely some edible thing going on there, especially (laughs) cold open conversation that they have. Yeah. Was probably the only part I was a little bit like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was definitely a little rough. Um, and then I guess the other question is, is how are we liking Aunt Elizabeth these days? So, I wanted to bring her up. Okay. Okay. Uh, they have a conversation after uh, I believe uh, Eliz- uh, Catherine slaps Muriel. Mm-hmm. Yes. And. Um, she says, I was well done, blah, blah, blah. And I think Catherine references to her as like, yeah, this is, you know, like a really tough or difficult game to play. And like, how do you do it? Or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she says, well, it helps when people think you're insane. Yeah. And Which is something like, we mentioned oh. before, too, was like she intentionally plays insane to survive. Like, Yeah. So she's acknowledging it in this one. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're both ways. Like she actually could be insane. Exactly. doesn't realize it or she's admitting that that's how she's playing the game and it's kind of played both ways mm-hmm. I, I think she says she says it helps that people think that you're insane she doesn't say that it helps that oh. I, I act insane like she she is insane she's yeah. crazy but she went along <laughs> with it she went ahead and just embraced it because it works out for her yeah. so is that similar to Leo and his decision to just embrace the decision to be happy because everything is futile and yes somehow he's gonna end up dead so might as well enjoy court while he's here that's cool yeah. right there I mean that's very optimistic nihilistic like <laughs> sure <laughs> <laughs> but I mean it's better to be on everybody's good side in this court than on their bad side obviously Mm-hmm. That's that's fair. Um, you know the country itself is going to yeah. hell in a handbasket. 
what do we, what's everybody's impressions of Catherine's decision? Because she has complete control when Archie's on mushrooms. Because mm-hmm. um, he's trying to induce a vision of God to determine who should be the patriarch patriarch of the church. Mm-hmm. What do you make of Catherine's decision to trust Mariel over Orlo? I think I had an issue with the scene. Okay. Because I feel like instead of playing out the fact that Catherine is this strategist and, and a thinker and stuff like that, it was merely opportunity. She just happened to walk across. Uh, what's the name of the... Archie. Archie, yeah. The, when he was high and she took advantage of the situation that was presented to her. Like they could have written it so that she knew that he was going to be out there and slipped him the mushrooms or something like that. Like, I don't know. To me, it it takes away from her character, but she does use the situation to her advantage, which is good. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the question of that old adage of, do you make your own opportunities? I mean, I understand the whole luck is is preparation and opportunity meeting, but like this is literally she just happened to be on a walk. <laughs> oh. Anybody else's thoughts? I thought it was weird that she decided to trust Archie as well, but I figured it, while she has that influence, maybe might as well use it, see where it goes. Well, she 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 repeatedly makes out the point in the episode that at least he talks to women like he has he hears that what I have to say, as opposed to these other old white long bearded men who don't even want to speak to me, don't even yeah. want to hear anything I have to say. So it's obvious that's where it's going to go by the end of the episode. It's just how we get there. Now, I did like that one section where Peter decides he wants to be friends with uh, Leo, Leo now. And he explains his logic. He says, you know, it's better to be friends if you're going to be lovers with my wife. Isn't that right, Gregor? <laughs> and he just kind of is like, that's right. But you could just see it in his eyes. Like, I hate you. Yeah. So then well, what does that mean for Leo? Because obviously Gregor doesn't like being the cuck. So will the emperor like to be the cuck? I mean, Well, Gregor doesn't like it because he actually likes his wife. So, being that Peter doesn't like his wife? Yeah, but Peter likes his things. He likes his objects that he owns. Yeah, but he still owns her, so I don't think it really matters who her lover is necessarily to him. Except he did make the statement while they were eating breakfast that if she fell in love with Leo, he'd kill him. Ah, that is true. (laughs) I mean, I'm with you. I don't think it's the same as Grigor, because I don't think it's about your sleeping with my wife who I love dearly and I really despise this. It's more of no, she's mine, my thing. Yep. I mean, you work with, with children. If another child comes and takes some other child's toy, <laughs> does it usually work out well? No. <laughs> I usually have to intervene. Exactly. I mean, depends on how well I've taught them. but We don't like thinking about people being treated as things but that's definitely the way i mean that's this the way storyline yeah yeah um <laughs> another offshoot of that so my mom kind of pointed out watching it um so george's character i feel like at first i kind of thought she was with peter 
because she wanted to like it's her way to survive in court. But my mom was like, no, nah, she's in love with Peter. She's friends with her husband, Grigor, but she's in love with Peter. And I was like, nah. But then I think this episode actually paying attention, I was like, oh, no, maybe she is actually loves Peter in her weird way over her husband. That was the weird thing. why she that, continues the affair. Yeah, that was the weird thing that I saw in this episode, too, because it seems to go back and forth with, with her for me. Because at first I thought it was just uh, I thought she did have affection for peter and was happy to be in this relationship with him mm-hmm. and then i thought it was more no she has to do it because Grigor will get killed otherwise N- and now i don't understand what what happened with a scene this morning from the morning um what that where she particularly falls i think it's i think it's literally her playing the game or surviving I think it's her playing the game and doing what she thinks is going to be best for Russia. Because when Peter is unhappy, he kills people. He starts wars. He tries to prove himself. If she can keep Peter happy, people don't have to die. I do think that she loves Gruger, though. I do think she loves Gruger, but I, I think she sees the need to manipulate Peter's emotions for the betterment of yeah. not only herself, but society just to keep from massacres being the norm. Um, But I am... She loves Russia, so... Yeah. I am intrigued, though, about... Does anybody have any predictions on what her relationship with Catherine is going to grow to be? Because you're starting to see some inkling. She doesn't think of Catherine as a friend by any means. But is she going to choose Catherine over Svenska? because you see a couple things in this episode. One, when Catherine is handing out the Fabergé eggs, which I appreciated that reference to Mm -hmm. Russian uh, history. George says, you know, you shouldn't demean yourself this way. Mm -hmm. Like that's, this isn't the way to get what you want. And then when Catherine decides to take Elizabeth's advice and say, okay, well, what do you need from me? And Svenska obviously throws out something she could never do, like end the war. George is the first to step in and say, oh, well, what about the carriages? We need those mm-hmm. carriages fixed faster, which is definitely something that would be within Catherine's authority. I, Are they going to become allies? I think they will become allies, but I don't think they'll ever be friends. Okay. I think, as Jessica pointed out, she she just loves our Russia. She needs, and you pointed out that she just, yeah, they they need to just do whatever it is, or she needs to do whatever it is to keep people from dying. Yeah. Is George going to be the key to getting um, Grigor on board? I don't see that bond between Grigor and Peter ever being severed. Okay. I mean, he could just be playing along. Like, he knows that being the king's right hand guy is much better than not being. By all means, he's he's aware of that. I mean, he could be being treated like how Orlo gets treated every day. Yeah. So, which then does that mean that he's gonna be weary of Leo's new relationship and maybe spit stuff into the into Peter's ear about Leo, and that will get Leo killed. Orlo or Grigor? Grigor. 
Because if, if Peter starts to become more close with, with Leo, that will take away from Grigor's influence on the, on the Emperor. And he doesn't want that. I mean, quite possibly. I mean, anything, is, anything is possible. I, I think Catherine's blatant affection for Leo is more obviously what's going to get him killed. Yeah. Which he knows. But that would re- that he knows. So that would require Peter to be paying attention to Catherine. I feel like Leo, or sorry, Grigor saying uh, Catherine is falling in love with Leo could be the catalyst. Could be the catalyst that lets him see that Catherine's falling for Leo. Right. I mean, quite possibly. I presume that at some point Peter's going to walk in on them having sex, and that's going to just he's he's not going to like have seeing somebody else play with his toys. Okay. But who knows? All right. Any final thoughts, predictions for the next episode? I mean, does does the fact that uh, Archie going to be the new patriarch, does that take him out of the the castle, out of the court? Because we didn't see the old patriarch at all. So, well, that's because the old patriarch thought Peter didn't have a soul. Okay. (laughs) That's fair. <laughs> I just don't, I just don't know the if it means that he's supposed to be gone or if he's still, he's still going to be around but with new duties or something like that. I think he's still going to be around. I think he'll have new duties. I do think it ups the chances that they get him into the coup. Mm-hmm. And he's going to wear a bigger hat. <laughs> yeah. Is he still going to be wrestling dudes? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. He's going to be wrestling bigger dudes. <laughs> and possibly some bears. Okay. <laughs> God protect him. <laughs> Jessica, any final thoughts, predictions? I think I'm hoping we're going to get that battle coming up. So I think that's that'll be another big turn is how that battle goes. So since oh, they, showed, they did intentionally show the soldiers leaving to battle. So. Yeah. Yeah. Is that why Vel Mentop wasn't in this episode? Because he left with the soldiers? I imagine. Yeah. Okay. It is not explicitly stated, but I would imagine that that's the case. John, any predictions, hopes, wishes? Well, I don't know if it'll be in this next episode, but I'm, I'm in this episode. They really drilled the cross how Peter completely disregards any opinion that uh, (coughs) Catherine might have. So I think something's going to come into play soon, maybe next episode, maybe further down in the series, where she makes some kind of decision or choices that others are like, well, let's try that, whatever. And it works. And it begins to then cast a shadow on Peter's uh, leadership. Mm -hmm. Possibly. How do you think he'll lash out when that occurs? Because we know he's going to lash out. Yeah, um, well, we know that Catherine survives, so she's not going to die. But uh, he might, I don't know, throw her in, in a dungeon or something, or lock her away, maybe. Okay. And then gets rescued. Based on occasional history. history. <laughs> Occasionally based on history. Yeah. Uh, I mean, go the Tarantino route and completely just make it so that Peter just reigns supreme. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, anything's possible at this point. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Uh, okay. So if you would like to, uh, well, make sure you come back here next week for episode five and, uh, 
we'll see how that goes. And if you'd like to talk to me about the show or anything is the way I talked about today, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Mitchipedia G-E-M. G-E-M says for Geek Elite Media. Jessica, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter as J.M. Bailey writes. John? I am also on Twitter at Magic Bollocks. Uh, if you have uh, any contact with uh, Oliver Harper, please get him in t- touch with John. He'd like to talk to him. <laughs> I will. <laughs> uh, Elizabeth, where can people find you online? You can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media and our Facebook pages forward slash Geek Elite Media. The rest of Geekly, or yeah, that's right. You already said that part. Uh, <laughs> check out our website, geeklymedia.com, for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network. Please rate and review our podcast on any one of your podcatchers that you use so that we can spread the word of our podcast. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geekly Media Network saying always remember to geek, geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast.